to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, where we talk with heart-centered thought leaders who are curious and conscious and exploring pathways to set ourselves free. And today, we are here in studio with a friend of the show and regular guest co-host, Sharon Crowley from OM Center of Healing in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I'm Elizabeth Sullivan, and we have Lucia Sinatra with us in studio, who is the co-founder of No College Mandates. She is a retired attorney, a longtime special education advocate, and a mother, and um, a fierce force with great vision and resource and resilience. Uh, Lucia, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started in No College ma- Mandates and actually what is that all about? Thank you. Thanks so much, um, Elizabeth and Sharon, for having me today. I'm excited to be here and to um, to talk to you. Um, so, yeah, I I started No College Mandates oh, almost about two years ago um, when COVID-19 vaccines rolled out. I was sort of one of the skeptical ones um, because I, I just don't remember seeing a lot of data and everything that was coming out of the government was, um, we're going to make sure that every American gets a shot in their arm. And I thought, where is all this coming from? You know, um, we were seeing a lot of um, really scary propaganda at the time uh, about COVID-19. Um, none of us really knew exactly what we were dealing with, but on the same note, um, There were no kids or young adults or even healthy adult friends that I knew um, that were even contracting COVID-19, let alone getting severely ill and dying from it. So that encouraged me to do some research. And I'm a longtime health and wellness student. Uh, I'm a longtime advocate in the public school district. Um, I learned a long time ago that it's okay to question uh, authority. If it's yeah. something that you that you if you have a good reason to, right? Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have a good reason, if you just have a hunch that something doesn't sound right, um, you can look into it yourself. In fact, you should be encouraged to do so. So I've had that way of thinking for many many years, um, right around the time that my first son was born, which is probably twenty years. So my natural skepticism always leads me to do deep dive research. My research was turning up that perhaps the virus wasn't as um, dangerous as we were being led to believe, um, especially for healthy adults, healthy young adults and children. So I started getting nervous and thinking, wow, when these vaccines roll out, um, I at the time I had a a, a student who was going to be a freshman in college. And I had a student who was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea if the state of California, they, they very desperately try. I live in California. Mm-hmm. And the state of California did try to mandate COVID-19 vaccines and get them on the childhood schedule here. That was defeated in, um, in legislature last year, thankfully. Um, I'm not convinced that that won't um, resurface as another bill mm-hmm. um, Some in the future, but at least for the time being, um, the idea of that bill was defeated and it never made it um, to um, to the floor of the, um, it never made it to, you know, to, you know, basically to the, to, to vote, which is great. Um, but then I started thinking, well, what about colleges? What are they going to do? And I, I knew the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, that as soon as these vaccines got approved for all age groups, 
um, that we were going to start seeing mandates. And, you know, I had a little bit of a tip off because it was March of 2021 that Rutgers University, who runs clinical trials for all three big pharma COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers, they were the first to announce in March of 2021 that um, in reliance on Biden, uh, President Biden's announcement that there will be enough vaccines for every American by the end of May, hmm. they announced that they would mandate COVID-19 vaccines for fall enrollment. And I thought, oh my God, if Rutgers is going to start this, I guarantee that there are going to be thousands of colleges that follow. And that is exactly what happened. I believe Harvard uh, came came after Rutgers by a few months. Uh, early May, they announced that they would mandate these uh, COVID-19 vaccines for fall enrollment. And, um, and then it was just a huge slide of colleges. Um, we as an organization started tracking over 800 colleges that mandated primary series COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, there were other organizations that were tracking well over a thousand colleges. And it's kind of tricky because if four-year colleges, there, there's just under, there's, there's a little over, um, no, maybe it's a little bit under, excuse me, it's a little bit under 2,000 four-year colleges in the United States, a little over 1,500 two-year colleges in the United States, and then a little over 1,000 of those are community colleges. So it's kind of hard to aggregate colleges because some are graduate programs only, some are two-year programs only, some are four-year programs. So of the little under 2,000, um, four-year colleges, um, there were, there were, we were tracking close to 800 of those um, that had mandated initial um, primary series vaccines. Um, and so that, they, they mostly made that announcement in spring to summer of 2021, and they mandated compliance by fall of 2021. Once the kids got back to school, so so everybody complied or you got an exemption, which in some colleges was extremely difficult to do, or you dropped out. I mean, there are stories I could tell you that would just make your head spin. Um, so once they got past fall 2021 and school started, shortly after that, colleges, about 325 of them, uh, mandated a, a first booster. So now they were saying, okay, you're already here. You've already complied with this primary series mandate. You've already paid tuition. You're fully enrolled. And by the way, you can come back in January if you don't have your first booster. And so that's when all hell broke loose for me, perfectly honest with you. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't it didn't break loose when like, you know, you were trying to raise a couple of children in this in this culture. But yes. That's it. That, that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, that's it. I am not okay with this. And 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 this isn't about my children, Elizabeth and Sharon, because I know enough about the system to know how to protect my own children. So they have exemptions if there are certain medical treatments that they don't want to take or I don't believe they should be forced to take. This was about everybody else's children. Mm -hmm. This was about saving as many students as I could possibly save that did not have any informed consent whatsoever prior to being forced to take taking these vaccines. They were told this is what you need to do. 
and um, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna accept very few people out of this requirement. Oh, and you know, by the way, um, there are all these side effects and all these problems and all these things that have never been tested with COVID-19 vaccines, they were given none of that. Medical freedom was completely stripped. Informed consent was non-existent. Any lawyer that is worth their their degree, every lawyer in this country should have completely lost their minds. And instead, I felt all alone. And I'm thinking, where, where are the lawyers? Where are the doctors? This can't be happening. We know that these are novel treatments. They're under emergency use authorization only. We know that they've skimped with the clinical trial testing. And what are we doing? You know, um, without at least thinking about natural immunity, without at least thinking about alternative treatments that could that could that could treat the virus. Jay Bhattacharya and the other doctors that wrote the Great Barrington Declaration wrote it in 2020. We knew we had mm-hmm. other ways to tackle this virus, but nobody would consider those other ways. It, as soon as the vaccines rolled out. Nobody would consider natural immunity as protective and nobody would consider early treatments, off-label early treatments um, to potentially help those um, who got sick from the virus. And, and again, just as time went on, you know, I was getting more and more upset um, that these things were being ignored and a forced medical treatment was taking precedence. So that's when No College Mandates was born, really. Um, I felt like I was one of the very few in opposition of the primary series mandates. Um, and you know, I just slowly started to talk about it in my community. I found freedom fighting groups in California. I connected with people online. And I slowly started to realize I'm nowhere near alone. There are other parents that feel just like I do, but a lot of them were really afraid to speak out. So um, so, I, that, so that's how co- No College Mandates really got its start. I mean, when I realized that there was a much greater community than I was aware of, I thought, you know what? I need to put up social media pages. We started a Telegram chat group. We started Twitter, Getter, Truth Social. We put up a website. We put up a Substack. Uh, within a very few short weeks, we garnered a tremendous um, following, and we got tremendous early um, early media attention. At the time, uh, there was nobody really speaking out just specifically about college COVID nineteen um, vaccine mandates. So we thought it was a missing, you know, so we, we, we saw the opportunity um, because colleges were some of the most oppressive uh, with vaccine mandates. And, and we thought, you know, nobody really knows that this is going on. So unless we create the movement, bring it to the attention of the public, get more people on board to fight it, um, this is going to just keep happening. And, and that's how we launched and we've been, we've hit the ground, you know, hit the ground running and. Uh, we've been growing and thriving and getting a lot of attention and doing a lot of really good work ever since. That's incredible. I mean, to have far vision that not only is it for your kids, but that we're all interconnected. And, you know, that uh, I mean, I, I've always really believed that it's about if I can be at my healthiest and my best, that's going to have a positive impact on the people I'm around. So we're really moving out of an outdated model of self-sacrifice for the, you know, um, because if I'm self-sacrificing, which causes me harm, I can't be at my best and brightest and in my fullest potential, which then doesn't 
support the full community. So you've really had far vision to say like, hey, I know my kids and how to navigate it for them, but there are other people that might not know how to navigate this and that matters so that That's everyone right. can be whole and healthy, whatever that means for them. Um, That's right. To have like pro information and ability for informed consent and having the ability to discern and decide for themselves risk benefit. You know, what's, right. what's the risk? What's the benefit? And and at least I grew up in a, in a family um, of doctors and nurses, and I always heard risk benefit, but that seemed to kind of get subdued in the last three years. It was like safe and effective, safe and effective, but not here's the risk benefit and you need to decide because each person is individual and health isn't the same for each person. If it was, that would have been maybe an answer. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, and I am curious, um, when you started this, I'm wondering what you found um, when you started as far as trying to educate people. Um, Did you find that there was a good amount of time trying to get people to understand that they could ask questions and they may not know all of the information and, um, you know, then educating them about the safety versus all of the social backlash and the moral arguments that were being thrown as opposed to actually discussing, you know, the realities of what was happening. Yep. Uh, excellent question. And um, it, it depended on who the audience was. Right. So if we if I got on the Facebook pages, parent Facebook pages of my son's college to express concern about the boosters, I got instantly attacked. How dare you question the college? How dare you question public health and the CDC? You're going to be responsible for killing people. As a matter of fact, we want the administrator to immediately remove you from this page. And and I said, well, hold on. I'm only asking what data you have to support these medical treatments. If you can find data, I'd love to see it. Because here's the data I, I found. And it was as if I was coming up against a brick wall. Right. No matter what I asked and no matter what I presented, that all they could do was, was, was repeat CDC and college talking points. Nobody would engage on the science. Yeah. Absolutely nobody at the beginning of this effort. Unless they had agreed with me and had already reviewed the science and they said, we want on board, uh, we want to help your mission, how can we get involved? So it was sort of two camps, really, right? And has it shifted at all in the last year, year and a half, the conversations that you're having or feedback you're getting? Quite a bit, in fact. I have um, I have some friends um, that are um, are very pro vaccine, um, but they're they're anti mandate, right. um, and we are across all political spectrums. Um, I do think that there are more people every day waking up and joining this movement, and just if if they just stop and listen to what we're what our movement is all about. It's we're not anti-vaccine. We're pro-choice. Right. We're anti-mandate because anti-mandate can exist when you respect freedom and choice. And so if you listen, truly listen to that message, we're not the enemy that that people might want to make us out to be. And believe me, I've been called everything, you know, to <laughs> 
anti-vax, you know, child killer, you know, you name it. I've been, I've been called every name there is. I still do. I still get called those names. Um, but I get called those names less and less each day. Um, I, I just had a reporter, um, who runs a non-for-profit, um, who's a reporter at a non-for-profit magazine, um, that is funded by MIT. Um, and she's going to be writing an article with both sides of the conversation, mm, the pro-mandate and the anti-mandate. And of course, I'm on the anti-mandate side, but I introduced her um, to people that are on the pro-mandate side because she wants to write one of the first articles that says, can't these two sides just get together and talk about it? Um, and so I'm looking forward to working with her more. And um, and we've we've had great conversations and I know she doesn't agree with everything that I say. Um, you know, she sort of thought of me as an anti-vaxxer. By the end of our conversation, I said, please go back, listen to my podcast and look at everything I've written on Substack. I'm pro-medical freedom and I'm pro-choice and I'm anti-mandate. I would never tell another human being what to put or not put in their body. What I would encourage them to do is a risk-benefit analysis with their doctor and make an informed decision. That is my whole message. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, it's a big message and an important one because I think a lot of times people have stopped talking to one another. So definitely stay tuned as we return with Lucia Sinatra from No College Mandates one of the co-founders who has been a long-term advocate and been bravely bringing people to the conversation to consider all sides. Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and Sharon Crowley. Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Sharon Crowley. We're here with Lucia Sinatra, co-founder of No College Mandates, who brilliantly and passionately has done a lot of work in the last three years since March of 2021, bringing awareness to pro-information and considering like the 360 of what does a mandate, how does that affect our medical freedom? How does that affect our ability to choose what goes in our bodies and how does that affect people staying in their health and wholeness? And um, Lucia, for some of our listeners who may be pro-mandate or, you know, believe in that movement, um, maybe you could spend just a couple of minutes of, like, why, why a mandate might be harmful, you know, for college students. And I, I know you touched on it briefly in segment one about, like, the low risk for um, students of that age group around COVID, but um, but why why is the mandate concerning, and how has that touched people that you know and have worked with? Yeah, you know, mandates had so many consequences. Um, aside from the fact that we know COVID nineteen vaccines can be dangerous mm-hmm. um, because they we ha- they weren't. Um, put through proper clinical trials. There is no long-term safety data. They were especially um, not tested on young adults and on children. And if they were tested on those segments of the population, 
they were such small cohorts um, that were tested. Um, so we know very, very little, and we knew very, very little about these vaccines when we started mandating them. Um, they're, you know, the worst of all tragedies. Um, there's a boy who attended um, a SUNY school, um, and that's the State University of New York system. They had extremely, extremely strict COVID-19 vaccine mandates and COVID protocols. You could not step foot on campus to return to school after in-person learning unless you took primary series vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I have a student who, um, whose family we represent and he went behind his parents' back to get the COVID-19 um, Pfizer vaccines at the suggestion of his college. Hmm. They specifically communicated to him get the Pfizer vaccines because there's only a three week waiting period versus the Moderna vaccines, which require a four year, a four week between dose waiting period. So he went out and got the first Pfizer vaccine, um, noticed blood in his urine, didn't tell anybody, nobody knew that he was taking these vaccines, went and got a second Pfizer vaccine, um, started getting immediately immediate flu-like symptoms um, and all sorts of symptoms that he couldn't explain. Um, eventually told his family, went to the emergency room twice. Two weeks later, he died in his mother's arms. The pathologist and the coroner were amongst two of the most brave in the United States at that time in that they stated unequivocally in his uh, autopsy and death certificate mm -hmm. that he died from vaccine-induced COVID-19 uh, uh, um, vaccine-induced COVID-19-related uh, myocarditis. Wow. Um, this is the most extreme of circumstances. There are kids that have taken these medical treatments and they have died. There are kids that have taken these medical treatments and have had numerous adverse side effects. Um, I've heard from thousands of these families, all of these families of which we are now trying to initiate lawsuits. Um, we're trying to strategize on um, how can we get these families help um, for the deaths and injuries that they incurred by being forced to take these vaccines. The consequences go all the way down to students who were kicked off campus, students who were not allowed to transfer because universities said, if you don't take the primary series vaccines, we're going to lock down your records and wow. your choice is to either leave or stay and get vaccinated. They were completely shut out of the ability to transfer to an institution that would have respected their medical freedom by giving them choice. There were students in specialty programs that were forced to leave their colleges because there was no other option to continue the program at another college. Uh, nursing students, medical students, clinical students, um, students that, that have to do clinical rotations as part of their degrees, um, they were all forced to make incredibly difficult decisions, which quite often resulted in them having to leave their programs. Some of these students are completely devastated. They feel as though their lives have been ruined. Um, and I have parents that email me every day and say, I don't know how my son or daughter is going to recover from this. I don't know how they're going to get back on track. And even as we see mandates beginning to fall, um, it doesn't mean that these students and families can immediately start trusting the institutions again um, after the way that they were brutalized. Agreed.
I absolutely agree with that. I think you have to really uh, navigate or perhaps investigate all the agendas and the reasoning and, um, you know, I mean, I would even be curious about their funding sources. You know, are they private, are yep. they government, NIH, whatever. So, yep, yep. Yep. And, and there's actually a, um, a good segue there um, into um, some really valuable resources that we've created and that are posted on the homepage of our website, um, which I know you'll mention later in the show, but our website is nocollegemandates.com. And one of our most valuable lists that we created um, several months ago is colleges that never mandated COVID-19 vaccines. There are over 500 of them. The list is not flawless. Here's the thing. In order to create a list like this, you have to include every college that never mandated COVID-19 vaccines. That doesn't mean every college was happy that they couldn't mandate COVID-19 vaccines. Okay? For example, Baylor University, they would have mandated COVID-19 vaccines from day one if they were not prevented by executive order from Governor Abbott that said, if you are a public facility that takes public research dollars, you cannot mandate COVID-19 vaccines. Same with University of Virginia. They, um, they were thrilled to be able to mandate COVID-19 vaccines. But when Governor Youngkin came in, an executive order was passed where the state of Virginia, public institutions in the state of Virginia could no longer mandate COVID-19 vaccines on college students. Let me tell you, University of Virginia was not happy. They wrote a scathing letter that hmm. they posted on their webpage that said, we, are, we wholly disagree with this decision. If there was anything within our power that we could do to go against this decision, we would do it. So we need to follow state orders and we're not happy about it. And you need to know that because we think the right thing to do is to mandate COVID-19 vaccines. So the reason I mentioned the list, though, is mm -hmm. there are, I think, about 20 colleges on that list. They're my favorite colleges in the United States. They take no federal funding of any kind. They wow. take no federal grants. They do not participate in federal student loan programs, meaning they are 100% autonomous to run their institutions as they see fit. Do you have like yes. an asterisk next to those? We do. Okay. There, there are lots of qualifiers on this list. So there are lots of notes that say, listen, Baylor didn't mandate COVID-19 vaccines, but they put so much pressure on the students. It was as if they did. Mm. University of Virginia mandated at one time, but then they couldn't. Um, but they put so much pressure on the students. It was as if they did. So we have all sorts of notes on these lists. Those colleges that took no federal funding are highlighted. Um, and there was there was only one of them that mandated COVID-19 vaccines, but they basically said, um, if you don't want to take these vaccines, you can just send us an email, write us a letter, fill out a declaration and say, no, thanks. These are not for me. Um, and I think they only mandated those vaccines for a short period of time. The rest of the colleges didn't mandate the vaccines. They left it up to personal choice. And I don't know about you, um, but I paid very close attention um, to these colleges and to to newspaper headlines. There was no there was no winter of death at these colleges. There was no complete and utter destruction because they never mandated COVID-19 vaccines. If anything, many of these communities did much better 
um, the ones that did not have COVID-19 vaccines than the ones that did. Totally. And I mean, I've been seeing like some sudden deaths out of some of the colleges that actually had strict mandates of this age group, which is really usually unheard of if you go back in their alumni notes of like how many kids typically die at that age. That's right. Versus what's been happening in the last couple, you know, the last year. Yes. How many... um, you know, as we're on this, like a couple of things, how many colleges, if you know this, I know this is difficult to track, but how many are actually still mandating now that the CDC isn't mandating it? The, you know, mandates have dropped, the EUA has dropped in the United States. Um, yeah, there are uh, emergency we're, use we're, authorization, I should say. We believe we're under 200 now. Um, it, it is hard to keep up. They're dropping on a daily basis. Um, but we do have volunteers that keep our lists um, as up to date as possible. They're excellent at what they do. It is an incredibly time consuming and labor um, intensive um, exercise um, to keep these lists updated um, with current information. Um, but yeah, the, the very large majority um, that we're mandating have dropped at this point. That is different um, for nursing and students that um, are in the healthcare professions. Mm. We are waiting for the federal government to announce the end date for the CMS certified facility um, uh, federal mandate. President Biden announced that the CMS certified facility mandate will end, but I don't believe they have yet scheduled an end date. We believe... um, that healthcare uh, majors and uh, nursing students, students that have to go through clinical rotations, we are hoping, um, because these mandates are some of the most strict, but we're hoping that those all fall after that federal CMS mandate um, ends. And But we just don't know exactly. That could be several more months out. Well, interesting, before the show started, Sharon, you mentioned at your daughter's college that they were talking in class about the yeah. ethics do you want to you know and and I saw maybe well well yeah so so my daughter uh just wrapped up her sophomore year and she was in a philosophy class um and the you know the bulk of the students in that class I would say absolutely uh were vaccinated and um they had a discussion about whether or not the mandate itself was um ethical because it was a philosophy class and and so I had asked her you know where did everybody kind of land on it? And she said the majorities said it's they do not feel it's ethical. So this is much different for that, you know, from where she was even a year and a half ago with the yeah. way everybody felt about it. So it seems to me that that age of student um, is really starting to think about this. Yeah. But, but further to what you were saying, that by keeping these lists up to date and all of the information about where we have been with each individual institution, there's no telling what could be upended or switched or changed or come up with in the future. And, That's right. And so I think it's wonderful that you're continuing to track everything, and it makes, in in my opinion, it makes it an even more important resource with the history that you've already gotten. A hundred percent. And I think it also illustrates the power of people going beyond their fears, speaking up, because a lot of this has been done by people writing letters, right? Lots of volunteers speaking out at different colleges saying, wait a minute. And I saw recently University of Chicago um, had a bunch of students speak out too. Do you want to 
take a moment to kind of bring that forward. Yeah, University of Chicago students, man, they they have been so impressive since day one. Um, they attend a university where free speech is of utmost importance, yet the university doesn't exactly practice um, the, the very principle upon which they were built. So hmm. three years ago, when students spoke out against mandates on campuses, um, primary series and booster mandates, they were shut down, criticized, threatened, ostracized, you name it. Um, they weren't allowed to publish in the school newspaper. So they launched their own newspaper. It's called the Chicago Thinker. And um, the students that run that newspaper are just amazing individuals. Um, and a couple of them have gotten together um, and they have organized a symposium, um, which is coming up this Friday. Uh, it's going to be live streamed at the Chicago Thinker, which is thechicagothinker.com, also Epoch TV. Um, it's going to be from 1130 to 430 uh, Central Standard Time. And the, the symposium is entitled Academia's COVID Failures. Um, and so there are several panels, and the panels are going to discuss everything from ethics um, to the shutting down of the conversation um, over, uh, and, uh, you know, shutting down the conversation over whether mandates um, should have been implemented. And then even a panel discussing the science of COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Um, so I'm really excited um, to have been a part of helping these students um, uh, not only uh, you know organize their symposium, but publicize it, draw attention to it, um, fund it, support it. Um, it is so important that the students speak out um, because if they don't take over um, to let their institutions know um, not only did we think this is wrong, but this can never happen again. Um, I fear that it may, um, because compliance, you know, once you give up freedom, um, it is incredibly difficult to get it back. And we need the students to understand um, just how much was given up and, uh, and to be able to speak out bravely to ensure it never happens again. Beautiful. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> You're helping people find their voice. And that's going to be May 19th of 2023 for our listeners. So we'll make sure we have a link in our description so people can go back and watch that if they're listening to this after the fact. Um, but yes, thank you so much for um, giving a pathway for people to use their voice and speak forward. And we're going to be returning with more ways that people can do that and find their voice even when we feel that we're being shut down in any way shape or form there are many pathways to finding your sovereign freedom and you're providing one for many lucia so thank you, you. thank you we'll be back This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and my guest co-host, Sharon Crowley. And we're on today with Lucia Sinatra, who is the co-founder of No College Mandates um, and who has been pivotal along with many others in that organization, providing a plaf platform and a pathway for people to speak up even when there's been a lot of fear and suppression and giving ways to take action and collaborate, bringing people together, you know, who from all perspectives. So Lucia, maybe you could share with the listeners, you know, a little bit about 
how can they find no college mandates? How can they join in, get involved if this is speaking to them? Um, what kind of resources and collaborations can happen? Yeah. So uh, the best way to start is to visit our website, um, which is nocollegemandates.com. From there, um, you can find our Substack, um, which is basically our newsletter. Um, I don't get time to write for Substack as much as I'd like because I've got I've got too many other um, uh, missions and too many other initiatives that I'm working on. But I welcome anybody um, that has a story to share, especially as it relates to college COVID-19 um, vaccines or protocols. I welcome anybody and everybody um, to 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 um, reach out to me um, with an idea for a Substack submission. You know, my whole thing has always been, if we don't tell these stories, they're going to die and nobody's ever going to know what it is that we experienced in the past three years. So we have to do everything within our power to write these stories down, to make them history so that they never go away and this never repeats itself. Um, you can also find our Telegram communities there. Um, and those are really safe platforms where parents get together, meet each other um, and support each other through the difficult um, nature of, of COVID-19 vaccine um, mandates at colleges. Um, we also launch a lot of calls to action on Telegram. Um, and we do that on Twitter as well. I'm most active on Twitter. Um, and my handle is at NCM forever at no college mandates forever. Or you can follow my name at Lucia Sinatra underscore. And we post a lot of calls to action there as well. We have a, a super strong following um, on Twitter. And a lot of our parents are happy to get involved um, in taking action. And whether that is sign in a line act, um, which sends a letter um, to the college every time somebody signs, um, they, they get a copy of the letter um, that our volunteers have uploaded with their signature. Um, I often post email addresses for presidents of universities um, with some talking points saying, everybody get on your email right now and send an email to these 10 presidents um, because these colleges refuse to drop their COVID-19 vaccines, vaccine mandates, and we need all hands on deck to urge them to start following science and to do that now that the state of emergency has ended. And now that we know so much um, about this virus and about these shots. Um, so, yeah. And, and, you know, those are sort of the primary places you can find us. And then, of course, um, if you have ideas um, for how um, we can activate our volunteers or how you can volunteer for us and create your own effort, we would 100 percent get behind that and support that. We are completely open um, to any ideas that are going to get colleges to listen to us and to listen to our students. Um, and we are 100% welcoming of additional volunteers um, and additional voices on this fight. If anything, um, we, need, we need to make more noise. We still have probably close to 200 colleges mandating vaccines, one of them in Minnesota, University of Minnesota at St. Thomas. Uh, they have not been um, very good at following science nor listening um, to parent or student feedback um, hmm. to drop these mandates. And uh, I get requests every single week from parents asking, can you put more pressure on University of Minnesota at St. Thomas or St. Thomas because um, we, we just can't get them to drop these mandates. It makes you curious why they're not more curious. 
<laughs> I yeah. mean, what, 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 why they're holding on? Um, yeah, I mean, and, and what do they know that MIT doesn't know, or that Stanford and Yale do, uh, um, You know, what do they know that's different? These are colleges that have all dropped mandates. Of the Ivy Leagues, only Harvard is left. Every other Ivy League, and, and then Stanford and MIT um, have all dropped COVID nineteen. So, what do they know? Um, you know that that Yale scientists don't know. Um, it's time for this to end. We've had enough. And and what's their why? They don't have one. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm curious. I'd love, I'd love for, the, I'd love if they're listening. I'd love for them to let us know why. Yeah, because they're both. they're losing a lot of talented um, students who yeah. are oh. who are choosing different. I I can't even tell you how many emails, direct messages, messages on social media I get on a daily basis saying. Thank God for your list of colleges that never mandated vaccines. I will never consider a college that is not on this list. Yeah. And the and the the damage that this young generation has had to navigate with great resilience yeah. astounds me. It, having 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 four children myself and having, you know, to navigate the last few years. Um yeah. I will say, though, that I am impressed uh, with the critical thinking mm -hmm. that seems to be coming out of it. Totally. Um, and I know a lot of Me it has too. to do with us asking the questions, exactly what you're doing, Lucia. You're bringing it to the forefront so the questions can be asked. Because honestly, I think even a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have known to ask or even think about it. You know, yes. we were so accustomed to just going along with, even if we did have questions, Yep. Um, it really took the heavy handedness of all of these mandates for me to really wake up. Um, I could not agree with you more. But me with, too. But with that, I'm so impressed at the 18, 19, 20 year olds and the way they are now critically thinking for themselves. And I, I don't know that I saw that five years ago. That's right. So that's right. That's and, right. And even if I reflect on the last few years, I felt like I was talking to all these people one on one and at least at my kids' school, and all of a sudden I was like, we should all be talking together, kind of similar to what you were saying earlier on in the show. It's like everyone was having these one-off conversations, but we're way more powerful if we can sit around the table, if we can uh, respect one another's differences, be curious about each other's viewpoints, realize that we don't all have to think alike in order to survive. In fact, it's better if we have a variety of considerations and you know voices in the conversation. We're stronger. So that's been, you know, a huge gift for me is to like, hey, let's come together. I, we don't all have to agree. We don't have to be the same political switch, you know. In fact, I'm kind of over politics at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I don't identify with either, either or. There has to be something new. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm wondering about like, uh, do you have something – um, in your sites as far as future collaboration with, I mean, you know, will it be different organizations? Is it, you know, on-campus mobilizations? Like, are there some things in the works that are being kicked around that uh, maybe our listeners could jump on board with? Yeah, so, um, so that's a, a great question. So we tried last summer to activate um, a number of college students to begin clubs on their college campuses. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
uh, at University of Pennsylvania, a bunch of students got together about a year and a half ago, and they created the Penn Anti-Coercion Coalition. It was started by a bunch of graduate students. It kind of fizzled out because PhD students don't have the time, right. um, nor should they be the ones creating clubs at an undergraduate university. Right? <laughs> exactly. So it kind of fizzled out a little bit, but it's it's relaunching now. Um, they're getting some some undergraduates on board to hopefully continue um, to pursue this mission. And then what we'd like to do is um, is get the UPenn students, the U Chicago students. Um, there are a couple other students at Ohio universities, Connecticut universities, to basically start copying the model, right? And to come up with a club like this yeah. um, in, uh, at other college campuses throughout the United States. So we try to facilitate things like that happening from behind the scenes. It's really hard for us, obviously, as parents to start these clubs on college campuses. <laughs> um, but we can try yes. to inspire them because we have the time to do the research. We have the time um, to point them to data and studies to show um, that this is something that never should have happened and that they need to be the ones um, to stand up for their rights if they don't want those rights permanently removed. Um, so, yeah, so there, there's a bunch of that going on. And then, um, you know, we're uh, we're also collaborating with a bunch of other nonprofits um, who are trying to expand their missions. Um, they uh, some of these non for profits are big in sort of um, defeating bad legislative bills, um, and they would like to expand um, beyond that. Um, and again, also activate the youth. Um, so we're looking we're looking at partnerships with other nonprofits that um, you know sort of are on a similar mission, but attacking it from a different angle. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's so good. Just the. All of it. I'm so excited about what you're doing and have been doing all this time. You're such a warrior. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Indeed. It's, uh, it's been a hell of a battle, but um, <laughs> and we're not done. We yeah. are nowhere near done. So, um, you know, my if I left your message with uh, one message with your audience today, it would be please join this fight. Find a way um, to join this fight. Um, join our mailing list. Um, follow our newsletter. Um, follow us on social media see what we're all about. Um, it, you don't have to have a college student. You can have very young kids who are one day going to be in college. You could have graduated from college. You can be a grandparent. You could have a brother or sister that went to college. Everybody, every one of us has connections to U.S. colleges and universities. Stop donating. If you're an alumni, five, find one of those colleges on that list of 500 and take your alumni donations and give it to those colleges. We've had thousands of families do that. I'm one of them. I wrote my I wrote my alma mater when they said they were doing their annual giving campaign. I posted it on Twitter and I said there's no way I will ever support this college again um, because the COVID-19 vaccine policies I will never forget. They were so oppressive. They caused so much destruction and um, and now my donation dollars are going to a college that that respects informed consent and medical freedom. Well, you bring us forward with great courage and ways to choose different. And that's always available to everyone. You know, you don't like it, choose different. That's Take right. action. Don't be silent. Join the conversation. Be curious. Ask questions. And you, you brought that forward beautifully earlier that it's okay to ask questions of authority. In fact, follow that hunch, that intuitive hit. That's and right. ask. 
Thank you so much, Lucia Sinatra, and all everyone at No College Mandates for all the work you're doing, continue to do, and great to have this conversation and be in partnership with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Sharon Crowley and Lucia Sinatra. Thank you so much. Thank you.